Hi, this is Ned Siegfried from Siegfried & Jensen. As proud sponsors of BeliefCast, we hope you are inspired by Todd's weekly podcasts, which contain so many courageous stories of recovery and personal growth. Remember, it's not what happened in the past that matters, it's what happens in the future. We invite you all to work hard and be optimistic about your future. Enjoy today's podcast. We are back. Thank you once again, everybody, for tuning in. This is Todd Sylvester with the Todd Inspires Belief Cast. Um, I'm so excited today. We have an amazing person coming on. We are joined by the author of the Clarity Journal, and she's a coach, uh, Becca Ribbing. Becca, thank you for joining us today. Thank you so much for having me. Absolutely. I'm so glad we've connected. Um, I want to, before we get started, I want to give a shout out to our sponsors, uh, Siegfried and Jensen, Wasatch Recovery, uh, Veracity Networks, um, iHill Institute, and Living uh, Recovery Interventions. And we also have a few silent um, sponsors, which I thought was really cool. They didn't want any recognition, but they have supported this. So thanks to you guys. This has been, we're ranked in the top 150 in mental health in the world. And we are just cranking. So thank you so much. And uh, everybody who's tuning in week after week, thank you for the, all the support. I love you guys and can't thank you enough. So let me give you a little background on Becca. Again, like I said, she's the author of the Clarity Journal, which we're going to learn more about in our, in our interview here today. Um, uh, she's been a coach for over a decade, and we're going to talk about that as well. But uh, she's on a mission to help people break out of the cycle of uncertainty and, str- and the struggles that hold them back. She helps women going back and forth from the big, seemingly endless question of what to do next. You know, almost feels like we're always got to do something more. What's the next big thing? Yeah. So I I can't wait to get more into that. Um, And again, she's just trying to, uh, you know, help people, you know, find what they truly want and create the clarity of the moment they crave and a bunch of other things we'll get into as well. I, I can't wait to talk about the mindful productivity and some other things. So Becca, I'd like to start off with you. If, if you could just maybe give us a little background, where did you grow up and tell us about your family a little bit? So I grew up in a lot of different places. Um, <laughs> and when I tell people that first question is, were you a military brat? And I was like, basically the exact opposite. <laughs> My oh, parents really? were kind of hippie-ish. <laughs> okay. So just had a bit of a wander, wander lust. So uh, oh, wow. I was born in Chicago and I've spent most of my life in, well, not most of my life, but the biggest chunk of my life has been spent in DC, okay. but I lived there three different times. <laughs> so, <laughs> wow. Yeah. Wow. And you're, and you're currently, um, I want to mention you're in Seattle right now, which is I'm great. Curr- so thanks. Thanks for tuning in. So did you like the, all that moving around as a kid or did it bother you? I mean, some kids don't like it. Some kids like it. You know, I didn't necessarily like it in the moment. Mm-hmm. Um, and yet I feel like it was really useful to me because it's helped me like really feel secure wherever I am. You know, I think that sure. for some yeah. people, if they haven't moved, then moving can be scary and it's never been scary for me either. Okay. So are you a pretty outgoing person? Were you, out- were you outgoing as a child as well? I was not necessarily outgoing as a small child, but as a, as I got older, I definitely became more and more outgoing, maybe because I moved and I had to. Well, you know, (laughs) and that's why I brought that up, Becca, is because I've, I've interviewed some other people who have done a lot of moving like you when they were younger and they almost had to like become almost outgoing to, to, you know, get to know new friends and to put themselves out there, get a little vulnerable 
And it, you know, even though it was really difficult, it ended up being like a really big blessing for them. That's why I asked that question. Yeah. I think I probably fit in that stereotype, but honestly, I didn't even know I did until you pointed it out. <laughs> okay. Well, Hey, we're, we're learning something today, right? <laughs> so, so tell us a little bit about, you know, you moved around a lot, but what did you, what were you involved with uh, when you got into like maybe junior high and high school? Oh, oh, we're going to go down that rabbit hole. <laughs> Let's see. If, I wanted to be okay. an, no, I'm totally fine. I wanted to be an astronaut. I like babysat a ton, sent myself to space camp multiple times, really wanted to be an astronaut. And then the last time I was at space camp, I realized there was no way I was ever going to pass at like through the astronaut application process because (laughs) I have the worst motion sickness. And so like, you can't even like get through to like the next stage. (laughs) So I threw that plan out. And at the same time I was like, then all of a sudden I was like, well, I don't need all these science classes. I'd already taken so many science classes that I didn't need them to graduate or anything. So I started taking a bunch of really cool classes. Like it took a poli sci class in high school. I took, um, a couple like compare, like contemporary history of various regions. I took a psychology class. And so when I went to college, I actually ended up majoring in foreign economic policy. Interesting. A complete shift. Yeah. Um, Wow. And then I did what we all do. I graduated college and realized that's not what I wanted to do either. (laughs) Yeah, that happens pretty often, right? Uh Uh-huh. Yep, it does. And so it was really funny because I was doing, I was in that period of time trying to figure out what I wanted to do. And I really threw myself into it. I read all the books. I did my Myers-Briggs type. I figured out what my Enneagram type was. Like, I, I really took all of the assessments and also just read all of the books. And at the same time, my friends were all going through that exact same thing. You know, you graduate college, you think, you know, everything yeah. and you're like, Oh no, that's not what I wanted. Or I keep like, I mean, in your twenties, a lot of times it's more like I keep getting pigeonholed. How do I move yeah. to a better position? And so I started helping all my friends through this transition and okay. realized I was really good at coaching. And that's yeah. how I ended up being a coach. Wow. So what kind of coach are you like? Explain like, what, what is your kind of like your modality and what are the, what's your typical uh, client? So I really like helping people figure out what they want to do with their lives. Um, okay. And when I say that, then I'm realizing, you know what? I like helping people figure out what they want to do for the next three years. You know, okay, everyone yeah. is always growing and changing. Yeah. But I, I usually help people get out of difficult spots. So it's either their career has taken a wrong turn and they want to move into something else, or they're not sure whether they want to move into something else. I really help them through that process and feel stronger about it. And then also help them like really implement it. Cause when you're dealing with like a industry shift or a career shift, the language that you're so used to speaking and you need to be able to shift that completely. So professionally, that's really like what in my coaching practice, that is predominantly the people I'm working with. Yeah. It's interesting how it just kind of happened. You, you learned that you love helping your friends and helping them find some clarity and what, where they're headed and that kind of thing. So 
So with that said, you know, tell us the inspiration around the Clarity Journal and, and maybe explain to our listeners what that actually is. So I will explain it by telling my story of it. Please. It kind of yeah. explains it well. Yeah. I was at another shift in my life. Um, I had just had my second child and, you know, I, and the cute little bugaboo had the worst ear infections. And so for the first year and a half of his life, it was really difficult. Oh, he didn't like being put down. He was in pain. Mm -hmm. And so I really did what everyone does when they're in the middle of chaos. And, you know, I let go of a lot of things, just trying to keep my head above water. And so that was fine for that period of time. But when I got back into life, when I was able to like work full time again, when, you know, I was just feeling better because my son was feeling better. Yeah. It's really funny when that shift happens because a lot of times you start feeling stuck. You were stuck the whole time, but when things start getting better, you realize things aren't quite right, but you're not necessarily completely sure what you should be doing next. And so Mm -hmm. I hit that point and I was going back and forth with a friend of mine about what where I should move from there. Like I was still okay. coaching, but yeah. I had really let go of a lot. And uh, like, how do I want, how did I want it to look in the future? And as I was talking to my friend, she's lovely, wonderful, but she really stopped me and said, Becca, you're a coach. How would you help someone mm. through this? Cause you do this yeah. every day. Yeah. I laughed. <laughs> I wanted to kill her. (laughs) (laughs) And I got off the call really quickly and I wrote down every question I could think of that I had helped like used to help my clients move forward. Like things that helped them get out of their ruts. Okay. And because when we are stuck, we often are in a rut of thinking. Like we aren't looking at the problem from outside ourselves we're usually telling ourselves the same things and asking ourselves the same questions over and over again, or we're avoiding it. Yeah. And so I wrote down, I think the first day I wrote down 30 questions that I had thought of, and I started mm-hmm. going and writing them down, like actually um, doing them for myself. And as I was doing them for myself, I realized how powerful it was just to get out of my own head and have those questions presented. Yeah. And I realized I was really onto something. And so it took me a while longer to actually get it out in book format. But as I refined it, and honestly, as I edited it, because every time I edited this book, I ended up going back through and doing the questions yet again for myself, or at least the ones that spoke to me. And I think that having those questions are just so powerful because you have the aha moments that you've really been craving but you didn't even know that you needed to get outside your own head for. Right. Wow. That's awesome. It's, you know, again, I'm always amazed how things come to pass. Like, you know, just a simple, you know, client of yours or a friend was asking you, you should, how would you do this? You're the coach. Right. <laughs> you know? Like, and, oh yeah. Yeah. So when did you realize that you were going to maybe create this journal and actually publish it and all that? a couple of weeks later after because okay. because the thing that it had actually reminded me of myself is that before my son was born I always had a blog I always mm-hmm. had some sort of writing project that I was working on yeah and you know he was still young enough and I also had another kid uh my older kid 
I still wasn't quite ready to commit to a date, like to a blog, but I was like, I could do a journal. So it really helped (laughs) me get back into feeling the space I had to really be creative again. And I think that a lot of us do this at various points of our lives. We lose whatever creative juice that we had had or our passion projects. And sometimes we just need permission to go back to them. Yeah. Well, you know, and I know one of the questions you look at and you help your clients is, you know, understanding like why does school not prepare us for the real world? I mean, you've done some schooling obviously, but you're obviously living life outside of that in the real world, we would say. Why, why, why do you think school doesn't prepare us for that? I think school doesn't prepare us for that because it is too focused on managing the herd. Mm, okay. Um, I think that when you, when, like, if you think back, I don't know whether you have kids. <laughs> um, I, have, I have four kids. Four kids. So you'll probably like, I find myself doing this with my children. Um, even though I catch myself, I'm yeah. sure your parents did this. You know, if you had a report card with three A's and a C, the thing that your parents, your teachers are going to focus on is that C like, yeah. and usually it's going, the message is going to be some form of you need to try harder. And that's ignoring the fact that, you know, they got A's in all of these other classes or B's or whatever. Why is it they need to try harder? Why aren't I teaching differently? Or why aren't I, why isn't the teacher approaching this in a different way? And I think that we really get stuck on feeling like we need to be a perfectionist in everything and focusing on that one thing we didn't do well. Whereas, you know, that one thing you didn't do well, like really, if you have, if you didn't do well in math, like there's a basic level of math you need to be a functioning adult. Exactly. Right. (laughs) But quite frankly, like, even if you didn't hit that, and you really embraced your talents in other ways and hired a CPA, like it wouldn't be the end of the world. I, end of the I think, world. Exactly. <laughs> and I think that it, <laughs> then we carry on that lesson throughout our adulthood because, you know, if you're looking at the other person's paper, you're cheating. If you like, if you ask for help and your teacher's overwhelmed with the other 25 kids, they're going to tell you, well, just try harder or figure it out yourself. And so then we take (laughs) those lessons as an adult and we think that we have to do it all ourselves or we have to figure it out all ourselves, or we should be able to figure it out all ourselves. And I think that that really misses the human experience. I think that back in, you know, 2000 years ago, when you were like apprenticed to someone or you yeah. were learning from your parents, um, you know, you were learning side by side. And so often we're not really learning side by side. And I think that as an adult, like valuing that side by side learning, valuing the taking the experience of someone who is a little further ahead, it almost yeah. feels like cheating. Yeah. And And I hear so many younger people, especially um, say, oh, I wish I had a mentor. And it's like, well, what are you doing to get a mentor? And none of them, literally (laughs) none of them will be like, oh, well, I've done this, this, and this. And they've all said, no, it's always like, oh, no, I want a mentor to offer to help me. And it's like, well, take some control over it. And I think that that's it. 
School does not teach us to have control over Ooh. our own agency, our own destiny. Wow. Very well said. And, and I think you nailed it on the heads. You know, I, I, with my clients that I'm dealing with kind of the same thing, like, what are you actually doing to make that a, a reality? And, and you're right. It's typically nothing. And it's like, what do you want a mentor to just fall into your lap? No, you've got to go make that happen. And I love that. And I love that approach that you're like, okay, here's what we're going to do. And I would imagine that's kind of what this clarity journal helps with is to kind of help you start putting some action items towards what you say you really want. Is that correct? It is. Um, it really starts out with doing the deep dive into figuring out what your strengths are, what's okay. going well in your life. Um, the, it's really ends up at the end with what are the action steps? Because I think yeah. the action steps are hard to take when you're still uncertain. Right. And I think that that sometimes we fall into just do it like, Oh, well, I kind of have this idea. I should just do it. And it's like, well, you're really going to have a hard time. You're going to struggle if you're not yeah. really hundred percent sure, because if you're not hundred percent sure, then you just doing it is probably gonna be wasted work. Cause you're going to end up pivoting. Yeah. Wow. I love that. Um, so most of us then with that, we're stuck, right? If, if I'm not putting effort in getting a mentor in my life, I'm stuck basically. So how do you help people become unstuck? I mean, you mentioned a few things already, but is there more to it than that? I think, I think it's really recognizing that you can fill up your time with anything. Um, I mm -hmm. often yeah. I'll talk about like the cell phone, it's addictive. Like we don't ever need to sit with our thoughts the way we did even 50 years ago, 50 years ago, if you were sitting in line at a grocery store, you were just sitting at line in a grocery store, <laughs> you know, you weren't like <laughs> scrolling through Instagram or like responding to the latest ridiculous tweet. <laughs> right. Yeah. And and I think that we miss so much that time to just sit and be with ourselves. And even our like self-care routines oftentimes aren't doing that. Like, you know, we do yoga or we meditate or we go for a jog, but yeah. all of those things, like usually people that are going for a jog have headphones on, yeah. you know, when you're meditating, you're actively trying to not be thinking. <laughs> Yeah, you know, right. yeah. and so to actually spend time with yourself in whatever way, one of the reasons why I love the clarity journal is because and this to sound really silly, but I remember in like drug prevention class in mm -hmm. high school, yeah, someone, one of the teachers mentioning that if you are trying to quit smoking, that you should always like have a pen or something to fidget with in your hand because yeah. it'll keep you from wanting to pick up the cigarette. You're just mm -hmm. used to having the habit of something in your hand. Well, I exactly. think there is a huge analog with our phones. We just literally always have them in our hands. So the nice thing about journaling is that you have the pencil in your hand, you have the book in front of you and you're actually yeah. physically writing. And I think that helps curb that compulsive. Oh, I'm yeah. stuck for 30 seconds. I'm going to pick up my phone and distract myself. Ooh, now that is a big issue. Don't you think? I mean, do, do you see that with your clients that the, like the phone becomes this, I'm, I feel uncomfortable. So I'm grabbing the phone, yeah, right? I'm a late millennial. I mean, I see it in myself. <laughs> yeah. I'm guilty of it too. Um, it's like, hi, my name is Becca. <laughs> 
I've but, had a cell phone for 20 years. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Well, and I think you, you touch a really sensitive point right now. And I, you know, I had a, a, this eighth grade girl I'm working with, she's in eighth grade. And I asked her, how much time do you spend on social media every day? And she took a guess. She was like, maybe an hour and a half. And I go, do you want to look? She goes, sure. So she pulls it up. Eyes get really big. And I go, what does it say? She says, seven and a half hours a day. It's a full-time job. And so I think you touch a really good and important point. So elaborate more on that and maybe what, what we could do to be better in that. So <laughs> I think that you know, it's a, it's, it's going to be a struggle, right? Like mm -hmm. seven and a half hours a day. I, when I, when you started telling that story, I was like, oh, it's going to be high. Yeah. <laughs> and I don't want to do that same experiment for myself right now. So please right, don't, don't ask. look. <laughs> <laughs> um, but I think that part of it is actually, you know, really embracing like kind of the essence of mindfulness. Like to yeah. me, the essence of mindfulness is actually noticing what's going on at any yeah. given moment. Mm -hmm. And even if you don't feel strong enough to change that right now, even noticing it, even at the act of looking up and finding out that you've had seven and a half hours on social media, yeah. you know, as long as you don't push it away, what ends up happening is you tell that girl that, and if she has a shame response or, you know, she feels bad about it, she might push that knowledge away and try to ignore it long-term, uh -huh. but like being able to like, kind of get yourself gradually more able to sit with that discomfort and not just try to ignore it. I think that we, because we have the phone, it's so easy to ignore all of our mm. problems, both big and small yeah. until they blow up in our face. Right. Yeah. <laughs> Well, and don't, would you agree that we learn the most in those difficult times, in those uncomfortable moments? Don't you think? I think so. I yeah. really do. Yeah. When we let ourselves. Yeah. And I think it's a matter of being able to let ourselves before we hit like some sort of rock bottom crisis point. Uh, because, you know, that happens too. It's, yeah. and, it, and it's very unfortunate when it has to hit a crisis point. Yeah. Right. Well, I know you do a lot of coaching with women specifically, and you're really helping them. A lot of these women have children, right? Mm -hmm. How do you help these women, you know, because there's a lot of moms that are listening to this right now, who are busy with just kids in general, how can they ever maybe even achieve a goal or a dream that they may have outside of just being that mom, which by the way, is very important. We know that. But how do they do that? How would you, what advice do you give in those areas? Yeah, I think the biggest advice is be patient with yourself. Okay. Um, and I think that a lot of times moms feel further behind than they actually are. Um, I had some really interesting experiences around this. The, the U.S., at least in the U.S., people are much more willing to give moms a chance. Whereas like, if I had a guy who had been unemployed for three years, it's the kiss of death. It's really hard <laughs> to get him a job. <laughs> and sure. I had yeah. someone explain it to me that they just assumed the guy was in jail. <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, oh my gosh, that had not occurred to me, but maybe that's why I've had stay at home dads. And it's like, uh, at first I was like, I can do this. I help stay at home moms all the time. Yeah. Stay at home dads. It's really rough, but so any mom who's listening to this, it isn't that hard. 
And what you really want to do is just start small. Like, just, I mean, yeah. assuming that you're not in a crisis situation, like getting divorced or something, just really kind of just start focusing more on what you want and yeah. really allowing yourself to even think about that. Cause I think for moms, you know, they're so overloaded. They have so much emotional labor from all of the kids stuff. You know, even as the kids get older, there's still just a lot going on. Yeah. It's really easy to put yourself last, yeah. but that ends up being really sad because then I'll get women who are like in their late fifties or early sixties and just getting started trying to figure out what they want for their life. And yeah. if you're just doing the work of like, really paying attention to what you want, then, you know, maybe you take a freelance gig. Maybe you take, maybe you do something like do a part-time job. It's really easy to go from a part-time job to a full-time job. I mean, especially right now. Um, Right. Yeah, that's true. (laughs) But even before, even before, like it's not, you don't have to be wonder woman. You don't have to be superwoman. You just have to like, be aware that you have to stay on the path moving forward, whatever that looks like to you right now. And it can be small. It really can. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I love that. Great advice. That's, that's wonderful. So what, you know, obviously you've got this clarity journal that you're doing, you're coaching people. What does a day look like for you though? Like, what do you do in a day and what do you do to kind of keep yourself centered and in the moment? Well, I do meditate most days. Um, Not every day. Um, But I am a big believer in meditating for however long it feels good to you. I actually, I learned how to meditate when I was 12. And I learned from a 13 year old girl. (laughs) I was living living in New Jersey. And this Californian girl came and stayed with an aunt, I think, in my neighborhood. And we ended up hanging out for a week or two. I don't really remember anything besides thinking she was the coolest thing ever. She had really long blonde hair. She talked like a valley girl. She was just like, really cool. And one day we were sitting talking and she told me that she had had, I think a Buddhist monk come into her school and teach meditation. And basically all she said was you sit cross-legged, uh-huh. you put your hands on your knees and you follow your breath in and you follow your breath out. And, and there I, you are. <laughs> and there you are. Like they didn't need to be a 300 like page book. It didn't need to be a $3,000 like workshop. (laughs) (laughs) And I think that also it didn't need a ton of rules, (laughs) you know? So I'm cute little geeky science girl. And I'm like, I want to be like Luke Skywalker. So I started doing, (laughs) you know, I started meditating. Wow. And I think that it really was a helpful experience for me because Mm -hmm it taught me how to do it without worrying about any rules or what, whether I was doing it right or whatnot. Yeah. Um, so I would say find the thing that can help you gain that state for a lot of people that state is found when they're running. And if you find that state, when you're running, maybe turn off the headphones for a little while, just so that you can actually be with yourself. Um, you know, there's just a lot of it. Cause really meditation is a flow experience yep. and 
there are a lot of flow experiences. It's a slightly different flow experience. I'm sure someone's going to comment, but your brain waves are not, (laughs) you know, but all of it really helps refresh and energize us. And the more that we can focus on that and really keep bringing ourselves back. But it's hard when you have kids. Like I was not great at meditating every day when my kids were small. Like sure, I'll be yeah. the first to oh, admit yeah. that. Yeah, sure. <laughs> um, I think that it's it's also about self-compassion and yeah. really like not doing things because you like are desperate. Like I think that we also have a lot of like especially women have a lot of messages from media, like, oh, you're stressed out go get a box of chocolates or go get <laughs> yeah. wine with friends. And that's like out of desperation. That's like, a, Oh God, I need this. Cause I'm so stressed out. Yeah, right. Whereas this should come from like a self-compassionate nurturing mm. yeah, space. That. And that's the space that where you're going to really have, where it's going to really feel good and actually fill you up. Wow. And then I would imagine, you know, obviously you're the creator of the clarity journal. Did you, do you, do you use those techniques every day in your life as well? I don't or? use them every day. I yeah. tend to use them when I start noticing I'm getting short with my family. Okay. Because when I'm starting to get short with my family or with other people, that's because I'm starting to lose connection with myself. Yeah. yeah. And so I use that as a warning sign that I need to kind of pull back and figure out what's going on. Gotcha. So um, what... What, as a coach, what do you think you see as the biggest uh, maybe roadblock in people's people's lives that you're noticing when you're coaching? And like, what's holding people back the most, do you think? I think staying in bad situations. Okay. Because um, it's really hard to do all of this in your if you're in a really crappy job that you're in 50 yeah. hours a week. There's just no yeah. way around it. That's a good point. And I think that we stay in those situations for entirely too long. I get people so often he'll be like, Oh, I can't leave my job now. I hate it. I hate how it's run, but I like my coworkers and I can't let them down. So I need to stay until the end of this project. Well, and then lo and behold, the next project starts up before the last project finishes. And so now they have to push it back out another six (laughs) months. You're not putting yourself first. And at a very real level, you have to put your oxygen mask on first. You need to have a job or situation that at the very least, isn't stressing you out to the point that you're damaging your health. Yeah. So you got to kind of know when you are in that job that's not serving you. Right. right? And, and then maybe I think also, I think where that clarity journal comes in, it helps you actually get more clarity or, or vision of where you want to go and what career would actually make you feel like you're getting out of bed with a purpose. Is that accurate? Yeah. I think that once you start noticing that you're unhappy, it becomes easier to prioritize yourself, your happiness, and also your purpose. Like, I think sometimes when people talk about happiness, it sounds very like light and fluffy and unrigorous, but like it actually is deep and your happiness is really all you have. And so really pay attention to what you're sacrificing because even sacrificing for the kids at a certain level, there becomes a tipping point where you're sacrificing so much that you are no longer showing up to be the person you want to be. Oh, wow. Very well said. Great advice. 
So let me ask you this. Why is honesty so important? Because if you can't be honest with yourself, if you can't be honest with others, you're going to stay stuck because it's, because honesty is at the root of figuring out what you want. Yeah. Wow. You know, in my, in my field, I, I work with a lot of recovering drug addicts and alcoholics. And one of the promises I'll give them is if they're honest with themselves, they'll never relapse. Oh. And, and, and I found that to be the, the exact case. And so that's why, you know, I know you, you're a big believer in that and that's what you teach your clients, but you're right. You can never change. You'll always stay stuck. Like you, you mentioned, if we can't just be brutally honest at times with ourselves, right? Right. Well, yeah. and self-compassionately honest. I think sometimes yeah. self-compassion ends up turning into excuse making. <laughs> yeah. And that's the part okay. that is, that really pulls you like holds you back. Yeah. So let me ask you this. And, I, and I'm, we, we may have already clarified that, but do you just coach women or do you coach men as well? I work with probably about two thirds women and about a third men. Okay. Yeah. So any, any I am children? usually work, um, work with younger I, kids or not with kids. Okay. Um, I have definitely worked with college students. Um, oh, okay. So some young of my, yeah. yeah. So some of my favorite clients I've been working with since they're, they were in college and yeah. now they're like, you know, <laughs> you know, actually yeah. have like really full blown careers. And I've worked with them through a couple different job searches, figuring oh, out right like kind of what the path is for them. Uh, because even if you I think, I think one other like kind of trap we fall into is yeah. that our work lives are no longer like the 1950s. <laughs> I mean, everyone yeah. can agree with that. Yeah. And yet sometimes we talk about like life purpose, like we're in the 1950s, like we're going to find the one thing that is going to be mm -hmm. perfect. And then that's what we're going to do until we retire in yeah. 10, 20, 40 years from now. And that's just not realistic. Like our, you know, what we are doing you know, what jobs are available just keeps changing too rapidly, first of all, but also anyone listening to this podcast is interested in growth and human development for sure. and for themselves. And, you know, there are people out there that, you know, aren't that interested in maximizing themselves. They're just kind of, you know, uh, punching the clock. Yeah. I, and, and God bless, like, that's cool. You do you. <laughs> But right. most of those people probably aren't listening. So I'm not going to talk to them. I'm going to yeah. talk to the people who really do want to have purpose and yeah. momentum. And if you want to have purpose and momentum, you have to recognize that whatever answer you come up with for yourself today is probably only going to last two to three years. Because in two to three years, whatever you're doing today is going to get boring. It's going to get you're going to get used to doing it. It's not going to be a challenge. Yeah. And, you know, and we all thrive on that kind of creative challenge. Yeah. And so, and you can't have momentum if you're doing the same thing over and over again. Now there are jobs like mine. Like I, you know, I also like writing, so that's a challenge, yeah. but also coaching can be a challenge because I'm dealing with different people in different industries every day, but you have to really recognize that, if you're doing the same thing over and over again, every day, once you master it, you're going to want to move on to the next thing. And yeah. what ends up happening, if you're not aware of that, if you're not mindful of it, then what happens in two to three years, you know, you've gotten the new job today. 
two to three years, you're like, this is boring. Like, or yeah. this isn't maximizing me. I don't like this. Why am I not getting a promotion? And you personalize so much that your boss hasn't promoted you or your boss's yeah. boss hasn't promoted yeah, you right. and you stay too long. And it's just like, no, you know what? I need a creative challenge and I need growth. And this company just at this point can't give me the growth I need. That's not because they don't value me. That's because yeah. that's not what their business is. Their business isn't maximizing you. Their business is maximizing their profits. Yeah, yeah right. Yeah. Um, or if they're a nonprofit, like their business is helping other people or whatever, you know, yeah. but the business isn't to self-actualize their employees. Gotcha. And I think it's really important to recognize that that doesn't have to be personal. And the longer you stay in a situation, once you've hit that tipping point, the more upset you're going to be about it, but yeah. also like, it's easy to be fix it. You don't actually need to stay in there. Gotcha. Very well said. You mentioned that you love writing. Are you, do you have any plans for another book or? Yeah, I'm in the middle of writing my next book. Um, it's called mindful procrastination. Um, if you <laughs> want to be notified when it comes out, there is on Please. my, what on my website, um, a, like a place that you can like fill it in so that okay. you can, yeah, um, well, yeah, I love that. Yeah. But when so, is, I, and, and that's really all about kind of I think that when we start talking about procrastination, a lot of times we beat ourselves up instead mm. of really allowing mindfulness to really shine the light on why you're procrastinating in the first place and yeah. help yourself like de develop ways of moving through that, that aren't reflexively built on shame or on negative self-talk. Wow. Beautiful. I can't wait to, to, have our listeners check out this new book coming out. Any other big plans you may have that you could share with us or is, or are you just write, it. writing, writing books, yeah. <laughs> writing yeah, it's books kind of a, and yeah. making sure my kids stay alive? <laughs> <laughs> well, those are very important things for sure. Um, I want to ask you this. If there's someone listening to you right now, Becca, who is stuck, you've already given us some uh, great advice already, but if there's one person listening to your voice at this very moment, what would you tell them that, that that one person who's struggling, what could you tell them right now? You deserve clarity. Mm. Ooh, I like that. Yeah. I mean, that's a mic drop right there. Yeah. <laughs> you know, yeah. and, and I yeah. think that sometimes we don't really recognize that we actually deserve this and it's our right to find it. Wow. That's beautiful. I love it. I love it. Well, if people want to reach out to you, Becca, and they want to maybe use you as a coach, or if they want to get, you know, they want to learn more about you, and then maybe find out how to get the clarity journal. And then obviously, when your new book comes out, to be on that list when it comes out, what's the best way for them to do that? So you can find the clarity journal on Amazon, and you can okay. reach me at BeccaRibbing.com. So that's B-E-C-C-A-R-I-B-B-I-N-G. And I'm sure it'll be in the show notes. Yep. Absolutely. We'll put all of that, all your links in the show notes and, and that, but uh, you know, again, I'm really impressed with what you're doing. I love how your own challenges growing up have led to you actually not only resolving in your own life, but now you're helping others around you. And I just really am impressed with what you do and how you live your life. It's really, it's really fun to, to get to know you a little bit better here. Thank you so much for having me. Yeah. So awesome to have you on the show.
Well, guys, thank you for tuning in once again. I told you this was going to be great. Becca Ribbing, please check her out. Um, like I said, we'll have all her links in her show notes. Um, and you, I love what she just said there at the very end. And, and, and when it, she said it, I'm like, man, I need to say that to myself too. We all deserve clarity. And uh, the Clarity Journal, she's the author of that. Please check it out. Again, thanks for tuning in, guys. And, and Becca, one last time, thank you so much for being here with us today. <laughs>